This is the Bible in one year, day 316. What is faith? I studied law at university and practiced as a barrister for a number of years. I was involved in many criminal trials where the judge told the jury that they had to reach a verdict, but they could not find the defendant guilty unless they were satisfied so that they felt sure. Every such verdict was an act of faith. The jury was not there at the time that crime was committed. They had to believe the evidence. Faith and being sure are not opposed. The writer of Hebrews says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. St. Augustine wrote, God does not expect us to submit our faith to him without reason. But the very limits of our reason make faith a necessity. Proverbs 27 A quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. The one who guards a fig tree will eat its fruit, and whoever protects their master will be honoured. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are human eyes. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold. But people are tested by their praise. Though you grind a fool in a mortar, grinding them like grain with a pestle, you will not remove their folly from them. Faith is the way to true satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction, sang Mick Jagger in 1965. The Rolling Stones song echoes the cry of the human heart. We try and we try and we try, but human eyes are never satisfied. Where is satisfaction to be found? This passage contains a wealth of practical wisdom. It warns against being quarrelsome. It points out how friendship can improve your effectiveness. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Faith means serving the Lord, looking after your master. Those who tend a fig tree will eat its fruit, and those who look after their masters will be honoured. The writer goes on, Death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are human eyes. Hell has a voracious appetite, and lust just never quits. True satisfaction comes through faith in Jesus, who said, I have come, that you may have life and have it to the full. The writer then makes an interesting point about the importance of how we deal with compliments the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, that people are tested by the praise they receive. The person of faith recognizes that God is always the primary cause of any success we have. He created you and gives you the gifts and opportunities that come your way. When people praise you, don't let it go to your head. When they criticize you, don't let it get to your heart. Lord, help me to live a life of faith looking to you as my Lord, giving you all the glory and serving you each day. New Testament, Hebrews 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, 
Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Faith is trust in God. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. What does this faith look like in practice? First, faith leads to understanding. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. St. Augustine pointed out, faith is the first step to understanding. Understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand that you may believe, but believe that you may understand. Second, faith pleases God. Enoch pleased God. As a result, he skipped death completely. The writer goes on to explain, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Third, faith leads to intimacy with God. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. Fourth, faith means saying yes to God. 
By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. True faith commits us to obedience. Abraham left Ur of the Chaldeans at the height of its prosperity. He heard God's call and obeyed and went. He did not know where he was going, but he knew with whom he was going. His faith brought blessing to him, his family, his nation, and to you and me. He trusted God, even when the evidence pointed in the opposite direction. Abraham's one great disappointment was that his wife couldn't have children to continue the long family line. We read that Abraham's family was as good as dead. Abraham believed God. It was not that he never had any doubts. In fact, he got fed up with waiting and tried to fulfill God's promises by human means. Thankfully, God does not judge us on the basis of our lapses, failures, or mess-ups. He saw Abraham's settled attitude of faith. Fifth, faith sees beyond this life. Abraham took a long-term view. We live in an instant culture. Everything's about instant satisfaction. Abraham was in it for the long haul. He was a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, yet he knew where God had called him. He did not look back to what he'd left behind through his step of faith. Rather, he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Abel's faith also had a lasting impact. By faith, he still speaks, even though he's dead. The writer concludes, Each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. Lord, I want to please you today. I earnestly seek you. Old Testament, Ezekiel 22-23 Again the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, say to the land, You are a land that has not been cleansed or rained on in the day of wrath. There is a conspiracy of her princes within her, like a roaring lion tearing its prey. They devour people take treasures and precious things and make many widows within her. Her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They do not distinguish between the holy and the common. They teach that there is no difference between the unclean and the clean, and they shut their eyes to the keeping of my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned among them. Her officials within her are like wolves tearing their prey. They shed blood and kill people to make unjust gain. Her prophets whitewash these deeds for them by false visions and lying divinations. They say, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, when the Lord has not spoken. The people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy and ill-treat the foreigner, denying them justice. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their own heads all they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. Ezekiel chapter 23 The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, there were two women, 
daughters of the same mother. They became prostitutes in Egypt, engaging in prostitution from their youth. In that land their breasts were fondled and their virgin bosoms caressed. The elder one was named Ahola, and her sister was Aholibah. They were mine and gave birth to sons and daughters. Ahola is Samaria, and Aholibah is Jerusalem. Ahola engaged in prostitution while she was still mine, and she lusted after her lovers, the Assyrians, warriors clothed in blue, governors and commanders, all of them handsome young men and mounted horsemen. She gave herself as a prostitute to all the elite of the Assyrians and defiled herself with all the idols of everyone she lusted after. She did not give up the prostitution she began in Egypt, when during her youth men slept with her, caressed her virgin bosom, and poured out their lust on her. Therefore I delivered her into the hands of her lovers, the Assyrians, for whom she lusted. They stripped her naked, took away her sons and daughters, and killed her with the sword. She became a byword among women, and punishment was inflicted on her. Her sister, Aholibah, saw this. Yet in her lust and prostitution she was more depraved than her sister. She too lusted after the Assyrians, governors and commanders, warriors in full dress, mounted horsemen, all handsome young men. I saw that she too defiled herself. Both of them went the same way. But she carried her prostitution still further. She saw men portrayed on a wall, figures of Chaldeans portrayed in red, with belts round their waists and flowing turbans on their heads. All of them looked like Babylonian chariot officers, natives of Chaldea. As soon as she saw them, she lusted after them and sent messengers to them in Chaldea. Then the Babylonians came to her to the bed of love, and in their lust they defiled her. After she had been defiled by them, she turned away from them in disgust. When she carried on her prostitution openly and exposed her naked body, I turned away from her in disgust, just as I had turned away from her sister. Yet she became more and more promiscuous as she recalled the days of her youth, when she was a prostitute in Egypt. There she lusted after her lovers, whose genitals were like those of donkeys, and whose omission was like that of horses. So you longed for the lewdness of your youth, where in Egypt your bosom was caressed, and your young breasts fondled. Therefore, Aholibah, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will stir up your lovers against you, those you turned away from in disgust, and I will bring them against you from every side. The Babylonians and all the Chaldeans, the men of Pekod and Shoah and Koah, and all the Assyrians with them, handsome young men, all of them governors and commanders, chariot officers and men of high rank, all mounted on horses. They will come against you with weapons, chariots, and wagons, and with a throng of people. 
They will take up positions against you on every side with large and small shields and with helmets. I will turn you over to them for punishment, and they will punish you according to their standards. I will direct my jealous anger against you, and they will deal with you in fury. They will cut off your noses and your ears, and those of you who are left will fall by the sword. They will take away your sons and daughters, and those of you who are left will be consumed by fire. They will also strip you of your clothes and take your fine jewelry. So I will put a stop to the lewdness and prostitution you began in Egypt. You will not look on these things with longing or remember Egypt any more. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I am about to deliver you into the hands of those you hate, to those you turned away from in disgust. They will deal with you in hatred and take away everything you have worked for. They will leave you stark naked, and the shame of your prostitution will be exposed. Your lewdness and promiscuity have brought this on you because you lusted after the nations and defiled yourself with their idols. You have gone the way of your sister, so I will put her cup into your hand. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. You will drink your sister's cup, a cup large and deep. It will bring scorn and derision, for it holds so much. You will be filled with drunkenness and sorrow, the cup of ruin and desolation, the cup of your sister Samaria. You will drink it and drain it dry and chew on its pieces, and you will tear your breasts. I have spoken, declares the Sovereign Lord. Therefore this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Since you have forgotten me and turned your back on me, you must bear the consequences of your lewdness and prostitution. The Lord said to me, Son of man, will you judge Ahola and Aholibah? Then confront them with their detestable practices, for they have committed adultery and blood is on their hands. They committed adultery with their idols. They even sacrificed their children, whom they bore to me, as food for them. They have also done this to me, at the same time they defiled my sanctuary and desecrated my Sabbaths. On the very day they sacrificed their children to their idols, they entered my sanctuary and desecrated it. That is what they did in my house. They even sent messengers for men who came from far away, and when they arrived you bathed yourself for them, applied eye makeup, and put on your jewellery. You sat on an elegant couch with a table spread before it on which you had placed the incense and olive oil that belonged to me. The noise of a carefree crowd was around her. Drunkards were brought from the desert along with men from the rabble, and they put bracelets on the wrists of the woman and her sister and beautiful crowns on their heads. Then I said about the one worn out by adultery, Now let them use her as a prostitute, for that is all she is. And they slept with her, 
As men sleep with a prostitute, so they slept with those lewd women, Ahola and Aholeba. But righteous judges will sentence them to the punishment of women who commit adultery and shed blood, because they are adulterous and blood is on their hands. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Bring a mob against them and give them over to terror and plunder. The mob will stone them and cut them down with their swords. They will kill their sons and daughters and burn their houses. So I will put an end to lewdness in the land, that all women may take warning and not imitate you. You will suffer the penalty for your lewdness and bear the consequences of your sins of idolatry. Then you will know that I am the Sovereign Lord. Faith means staying faithful. What are you to do if you live in a society that turns its back on God? How do you remain faithful to God when all around you people are faithless? Do you give up and join them? Do you judge and condemn them? Or is there another way for the people of God? The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel again. God's concern was typical. Extortion is rife. Robbery is epidemic. The poor and needy are abused. Outsiders are kicked around at will with no access to justice. He describes the sin of Jerusalem and Samaria as being like those of two prostitutes who become more and more promiscuous, crazy with lust. The nature of sin and addiction means that because it does not satisfy, the practices become more and more extreme. People were meant to love God and be faithful to Him. Instead, we've lusted after the wrong things. It is surprising to see such shocking and explicit language in the Bible, but God uses these disgusting images to help the people to grasp the full reality of their sin and how much it pains Him to see it. The root of the problem is their unfaithfulness to the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Since you have forgotten me and thrust me behind your back, you must bear the consequences of your lewdness and prostitution. Forgetting God is the opposite of faith. It leads to the terrible consequences described in this passage. But Ezekiel remained faithful to God. He continues to proclaim God's message. What God was looking for was someone to intercede for them and to stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. This is the way of faithfulness for the people of God. I am so grateful to the many people who've told me over the years that they pray for us regularly. We also have a 24-7 prayer room at our church, and I'm thrilled by the way in which it's galvanized people to pray and intercede. Prayer really does make a difference. Intercession is one of the most important things you can do. Make prayer and intercession a high priority in your life. Sexual craving, being at its root a craving for intimacy, can only be satisfied through our relationship with God. The Ezekiel passage is extraordinarily contemporary with the large number of people today with some form of sexual addiction. Prayer, believing that God rewards those who earnestly seek Him, is an important part of the answer. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Trust in Him. Abide in Him. Serve Him with all your heart. Live a life of faith. Stay faithful to Him and pray faithfully for others. This is the way of true satisfaction. Faith pleases God. Lord, increase my faith. Pippa adds, Proverbs 27 verse 15 says, A quarrelsome wife is like constant dripping on a rainy day. Restraining her is like restraining the wind 
or grasping oil with the hand. This theme seems to come up rather a lot. The verse is a reminder, just in case we're tempted.